how pissed are you going to be if you miss the playoffs in our home league? I will probably retire from fantasy football <laughs> if I miss the playoffs again. Okay. Have, I think I've I think I've missed the last two years, if I'm not mistaken. Last season, I came in seventh out of 12 in All-Star, which is our main one, I guess. And then in your mom's, obviously, you and me were in the championship, and you won that GG's uh, mm-hmm. to you. So I'm expecting to make the playoffs in all three of my home leagues this year, just because of all the research, all the time that we've put in to fantasy football. I think it'll definitely pay off this year, and I'll admit I definitely was not as knowledgeable as I am right now currently in the few previous seasons and I drafted some trash teams you know went in some suboptimal routes like last season I took like James Conner, Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry with like my first three picks and was starting DJ Chark and Allen Robinson as my top two wide receivers so I think that's definitely something that I recognize was bad I, I, I think I should make the playoffs. I think both of us should make the playoffs as we're probably top I mean, two in, in the league right bro, now. It, which which they don't agree with though. What do you mean they don't agree with? People people in our league don't think that we're the two best. Which I mean we are. I mean because it's just time, experience and, and money yeah. spent. We're clear cut above, I think. And that's not knocking them. You right, know? but I mean, I I will knock them though. Th- that wasn't knocking them, but this is knocking them. Like these dudes show up and print out the ESPN top three hundred, and that's their prep for this draft. Like if these dudes secure the playoff spots over us, who who've been putting in endless hours of research, done hundreds of drafts this off season, I, I don't even know what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna lose it. I'm gonna fucking lose it, dude. <laughs> yeah, literally show up with the with the top 300 sheet and draft based off that don't do drafts at all up until that draft take Aaron Rodgers round three and win the league that's fantasy football for oh, God can't wait <laughs> we got we got a couple weeks till our draft it's gonna be a good time but yeah I'm definitely expecting both of us to make the playoffs in in both leagues that we're in we're actually in four leagues together to our dynasty to redraft yeah I mean your dynasty teams are shit but in in redraft, you probably should make the playoffs, and, and I probably should too. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Both assessments there. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 157 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information strategy and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we're going to pick up right where we left off on yesterday's episode. We went round by round through the first eight rounds of fantasy right now, discussing how to start strong in your redraft leagues, your home leagues. Today, part two of everything that you need to know to dominate your home league. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you are subscribed on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. And if you would like to, you can find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Mondays. Joey, we talked about general strategy last week, how to go after the first half of your draft to lay the groundwork for a strong team, a team that's going to make it to the end. But this back end, the mid-range, this is where drafts are won and lost. Definitely, this is where drafts are won and lost, and we're going to get into 
some player specifics in these late rounds in your fantasy league because I think there are clear-cut value picks and I think there are clear-cut suboptimal picks and I think we could start it off right in round nine where we see two defenses getting drafted yeah in round nine with top 105 picks yeah Two defenses. Absolutely egregious. Do not draft a defense in round nine in a 16 or 18 round draft. Do not do that. If you're you're listening to this, please just take that from this whole episode. Do not draft a defense until the last round. Yes. Like, (laughs) what are we doing here? What is this ADP? I, I have no idea, but I mean, it's really not that inaccurate. Like we see this every single year um, in, in our home leagues. And I'm sure a lot of people do where people just start drafting defenses in this range, yep. because like we talked about on yesterday's episode, there's like this fear of not having a good starting lineup and people, you know, have to fill out all of their starting positions before they worry about, you know, their depth, their bench at the more important positions. So yep. it's just absolutely egregious to me. I mean, honestly, for us personally, this is going to be yet another year of me trying to push our home league away from having defenses at all i'm sure that that vote will fail as it does every single year but god like defenses and kickers bro what are we doing it's 2021 yeah i mean defenses and kickers should definitely not be in fantasy football i think those are just you know two high variance positions that take no skill you know some would disagree i don't care (laughs) uh get rid of defenses get rid of kickers and espn if you're if you're printing out the espn 300 like like we referenced in the intro they have the Steelers DST at 82 82 overall 82 that's if we were solely discussing ESPN ADP that would have been in part one okay that would have been in the top what seven rounds a defense no shot on fantasy pros they're 104 the Rams DST is 105 I mean do not take a defense. You can replace the production of one of these top end defenses just by streaming matchups for every single week of the season. And honestly, I think that's more optimal. I did see an article about it and I'm and I'm forgetting the name. So kind of shitty for that to, to forget. But I saw that streaming defenses most of the time is better than taking a defense at all in your fantasy draft. Just no, do not take a defense. Take a wide receiver over a defense. You can also take a quarterback in this round nine range, like a Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill, to complete stacks on your team. You know, if you went AJ Brown early, focus on getting Tannehill, who you'll probably be able to get in this range. Uh, you can get a Jalen Hurts and then a Devontae Smith in a round or two. That's probably the strategy that I would employ is kind of completing stacks or starting to think about stacking if I haven't already. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that that is a good point. I was going to ask you how important you think stacking is in redraft right now. I obviously don't think it's as important as best ball. You know, obviously you need that one percentile outcome and correlating your team is kind of the way to get you there. But I think in redraft, you still want that correlation Mm -hmm. because why not? What's the cons of stacking? You know, you know, a detractor of stacking would say that, you know, if Ryan Tannehill is busting during a playoff week well so is aj brown probably and that you are losing at two spots instead of just one but to me again you know that's looking at things from a really negative perspective it's like am i planning to lose no i'm planning to win i'm planning for these picks to hit so yeah like if i have aj brown and i'm in 
position to win this league with, you know, having spent a second or third round pick on him, then chances are Tannehill's having a pretty decent season too. So why not correlate your outcomes uh, based on the positive Mm -hmm. expectations you have when drafting? Yep. Uh, That's what I was going to say is, you know, who you draft early, you're expecting them to hit, right? And correlating that early wide receiver you took with their quarterback means that the wide receiver is having a good season, the quarterback as well. So I think that stacking is good. I think that you should consider stacking in redraft if you are not. I don't see many drawbacks besides kind of the argument that that you laid out to stacking. But overall, correlation is a plus EV strategy that probably most people in your home league aren't employing. So that's just one way that you know you could get an edge on your opponents is by stacking. And like I said, this is the range where you could start taking quarterbacks here and then focus on getting their wide receivers in the next couple of rounds, like I like I outlined with uh, Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith. Yeah, and, and transitioning from round nine to round 10, I think that this is actually sort of the sweet spot for quarterback if you missed on, you know, the top five or six guys, or if they went too early for you to be able to stomach that in redraft, you know, people are taking them at these ADPs in the second through fourth rounds, chances are you're not going to end up with one of those elite guys. And while a lot of people are going to reach for that second tier, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, etc. in, you know, the round seven and eight range, I think that these players going in rounds nine through 10 are, you know, very equal in terms of the potential they offer, you know, whether that be Trevor Lawrence or Jalen Hurts, maybe reaching on a guy like Fields or Lance, which, you know, it would be a reach based on fantasy pros ADP, but we know that that's fair value uh, judging by sharper sights. So I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable if I missed on early quarterbacks circling back to it uh, around this point in rounds nine and 10. Yeah, I'm right there with you. That's why late round quarterback is so good in redraft because all of these quarterbacks are undervalued compared to you know best ball ADP underdog ADP where you're gonna have to spend you know a ninth maybe even eighth round pick on a guy like Jalen Hurts when you can get him in the 10th 11th round potentially in in your home league and then Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields are some guys that are probably going later than they should in home leagues. So I think that's something to capitalize on in this season is getting one of those rookie quarterbacks coming in that have that rushing upside that we want in a quarterback. And then you could pair them with a guy like Kirk Cousins or Matt Ryan, or if you just want to you know, full send the late round quarterback strategy, you can go and get a Sam Darnold or Big Ben or Derek Carr late. Just something to, you know, hold you over until those rookies start if they don't start week one. So this is definitely the range where I would consider taking Trevor, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and then you could pair them with, you know, Darnell Mooney, Ayuk or Kittle if you got them early. Trevor Lawrence, obviously DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones, you know, some guys that are going in this range as well. There's a lot of potential. In, in this range. Yeah, and, and I think that the quarterbacks are just better picks than a lot of the other players. I mean, God, we start to see kickers, like you said, defenses going in this range. Three defenses in round 10 in terms of ADP. So clear-cut, easy yeah. <laughs> mistakes to uh, to avoid when, when you have the potential for these high 
upside quarterbacks. And, you know, I'll continue to say it, you know, wide receiver is never a bad pick. There's, there's no round where wide receiver is a bad pick. There, there literally isn't. That's, that's the funny part. And I think that's something that we've realized uh, from, from last year to this year is that wide receivers, honestly, are probably going to provide more value to your team over a running back, especially late in the draft. You know, if you're getting into the 14th, 15th round, you're better off just taking a wide receiver over a running back because at least that wide receiver has potential to at least come on the field and maybe get you a long touchdown here or there. Whereas the running backs in this range really don't have that upside. Like Jamal Williams at 122 overall, absolutely not. No, thank mm-hmm. you. Just just no on, on these on these running backs. Uh, unless you really, really need one, then I don't mind taking a Tony Pollard as a handcuff or Gus Edwards if we get into like the 11th round or Naheem Hines. But other than that, just focus on wide receiver and quarterback. I, I think this is a sweet spot for quarterbacks. I agree. And and sort of transitioning into this next handful of rounds, I kind of bunched up rounds 11 through 13 together because I think that this is the point in the draft where you really start to address your specific roster construction. You know, we've talked a lot about fading certain positions at, at certain points in the drafts and just, you know, taking best player available and, you know, not really worrying about your starting lineup so much and, and focusing on just to build the best overall, most balanced team but at this point you know past pick 120 picks 121 through 156 or or rounds 11 through 13 I think that most of the potentially difference making players have been drafted and now is when you are you know not sacrificing too much opportunity cost just to fill those holes and fill what you need in your roster so maybe you have some safe running backs with lower ceilings this is where I'm grabbing high upside running backs like you said Tony Pollard Alexander Madison guys that can just boost your late season upside come in for you based on injuries at which we know are going to happen throughout the season and you know say you missed out on one of those top six tight ends that we discussed last episode well this is where you can come back and instead of wasting eighth and ninth round picks taking guys like Goddard or Fan or Gasicki, you come back and you just scoop up this value with players that have very similar projections and Johnu Smith, Hunter Henry, Cole Komet, Blake Jarwin, whatever your flavor is, these guys are all very comparable to players that are going rounds ahead of them, but they come at a discounted price. So you don't have mm-hmm. to sacrifice the depth of your bench based on your starting lineup early when you can do it at this point in the draft. Yep, I, I definitely agree. And I, I would say Starting in round 12, round 13 is just value town, right? We we talked about it before. Best ball ADP is significantly better than this fantasy pros ADP that we're talking about right now. And if you just compare the two, there is so much value to be had in these rounds. It's crazy. So when I tell you I am literally going to be sitting with the fantasy pros ADP up and the best ball ADP up specifically underdog come our drafts in a, in a couple weeks. And I am literally just going to hammer all of these guys that are going in the top 100, yep. like Elijah Moore, they have ranked as the 150th player, which is the 13th round. His rank on underdog is 96. Mm-hmm. That's a difference of 54 picks just in terms of ADP. Yep. That's value in my opinion. Yep. It might it might be a reach on fantasy pros, but we know that it's not a reach in fantasy football. Yes. Um and and you can find that over the course of all of these players in, in these late rounds like god, I mean I don't want to get too far ahead, but Gerald Everett is their 192nd ranked player. Um that 
looks like value to me. Yeah, I mean, it's literally sprinkled everywhere in these rounds. Like, Mike Williams is going in, like, the 6th, 7th round on underdog. He's the 126th ranked player on Fantasy Pros, the wide receiver 50. That's absurd. Marvin Jones, Devontae Parker, like, all these guys are just clear-cut values. Mecole Hardman going as the wide receiver 52 in terms of fantasy pros ADP, you know, he's locked in as an eighth round pick on underdog. So I'm going to be just absolutely assaulting this value. (laughs) Assaulting this. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I'm right there with you. Mike Williams has an ADP discrepancy of 51 spots. If we're looking at underdog ADP compared to this, McCole Hardman is around the same. So if you're getting 50 spots of value in your home leagues on on these wide receivers, I mean, God, they are just smash, absolute smash picks. And same thing with the quarterbacks. Trey Lance in this range, who has a rank of 144, has a rank of 109 on underdog. So you're getting 30-something spots of value. So... That's just all I'm going to be doing in these rounds is looking at where the value discrepancies are between both platforms and just, you know, drafting based off that. Even if I don't like a guy, if I'm if I'm getting a 50 pick discount, it's going to be hard not not to take them. Yeah. Sorry. Like for me, it's not even player specific. It's just that it's just the value is just so, so huge with these wide receivers, quarterbacks, and and tight ends compared to what we've been drafting all summer long, all year long on drafters and on underdog. God, I I feel like this is just going to be a cakewalk of a fantasy season. It feels like that. It really does. And then we're going to get to week 14 when I have four wins. (laughs) Like that's fantasy football like like your boy gabriel davis has a rank of 179 yeah the, the more i scroll down this list just like the more the more <laughs> i'm appalled by it looking at gabriel davis 179 looking at terrace marshall past rank 200 what am i seeing here jacoby myers is two rank 213 on fantasy Jesus. pros and he has a ranking of 143 on jacoby myers i don't want to do math but that's like 70 <laughs> picks man so you'll be you'll be able to see where the where the value is and you know player specific i mean we've mentioned a couple guys in, in mike williams um Devontae parker Corey davis i like all of those guys i'm fading any single defense that's getting drafted in this range like the bills are at 142 overall the niners defense is at 148 overall young way Koo is at 156 overall kicker for atlanta like, I'm not drafting a kicker. I'm not drafting a defense. I'm filling out my roster with all of this phenomenal value. Yep, I, I agree. That's definitely the story of this mid-range. And as we transition to the final few rounds, specifically rounds 14 through 15, I think that this is the point of the draft where you should have you know, been able to capitalize on enough value and build a solid enough roster that you should just be taking shots to the moon, drafting for upside, drafting for potential difference makers. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you agree with that point? Yes, I definitely agree. And this is the range where you want to take your Gabriel Davis. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I might be off him in the 10th round in best ball, but in the 15th round of your home league, this, this is a guy where if he reaches, you know, the top of his range of outcomes, He's an elite fantasy option and one of the best offenses in fantasy football, mm-hmm. right? 
and you can get him at 179th overall. I like Jalen Rager right there too at 180 overall. Trey Quan Smith and Marquez Callaway are right behind them. I like those guys, you know, potential target hogs without Michael Thomas. And then if we just scroll down a bit further, you know, you mentioned Terrace Marshall going at 204. Jacoby Myers at, at 213. Christian Kirk, 234. John Brown at 235. Jesus. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just seeing value all over the place. And these guys have upside as well. Yep. And, and I think that another thing that we know to be true about fantasy is that rookies come on stronger in the second half. And I think outside of the big names, you're going to find find um, the opportunity to re- really capitalize on those guys late. Um, you know, everybody knows Jamar Chase and uh, Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. Like everybody knows the first round guys they are going to be taken uh, at relatively decent values, um, comparable values to what you would see on underdog. But you see some of the less um, you know, popular names as just wild discrepancies. Guys like Amon Ross St. Brown, who's in the mix to be the top wide receiver for the Lions. Terrace Marshall Jr., who a lot of people think has the upside to lead the Panthers in touchdowns this season and players like that that you can just capitalize. And then even, you know, wide receivers at this point in the draft that are getting completely looked over that have insane um, discrepancies in their ADP between paid sites and these mock drafts. Paris Campbell, ranked as the wide receiver 80. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, ranked as the 248th player. Darius Slayton, aka Godius, going at 250. It makes no sense to me, and I'm just going to be hammering the upside with these guys that, yeah, you know, maybe it's a tough situation. Maybe I'm not starting them on a week-to-week basis, but if I'm down in a week and I need to target upside, you know, I'm down after the Thursday game, yeah, I'm going to throw one of these high ceiling guys in there. And that's the difference between, I think, mm-hmm. redraft and best ball, where you need to make those decisions and have players that have different roles. Like, you know, am I playing it safe this week after the Thursday game or am I, you know, chasing upside and have the flexibility to, uh, to do so based on how you draft? Yep, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I think specifically in the late rounds, the wide receivers in these ranges definitely give you the highest upside possible I touched on it a little bit earlier but the the running backs that you're going to take in the 15th 16th round are just so bad and I don't think they're worth drafting at all so I'd rather take shots on you know Darius Slayton, Jameson Crowder, Jacoby Myers, Sammy Watkins, all in these late rounds over a guy like Marlon Mack or Damian Williams or Tevin Coleman. Like just, just no, just take a, just take a wide receiver, shoot for the upside, shoot for the ceiling. And I, I think you'll be good. And then obviously if you do still have kickers and defenses, I probably would take one of each. And, and I think that's something we could just talk about in general. One kicker, one defense, if you have to take them, I mean, your league should not be drafting mm-hmm. kickers and defenses. I mean, come on, it's 2021. But I would wait till the last two picks to do that. And then if we're looking at other positions, I think quarterback, you only take one. Uh, unless you wait on quarterback, then I think you could take two. But if you're going with a Josh Allen early or a Lamar Jackson, you only need to take one because of the ability to stream quarterback. Running back definitely depends on you know how many flex spots your league has or how many starting running back spots your league has. But I would probably go with four or five max and the rest of the spots dedicated to wide receivers that ultimately have the highest ceiling out of every position in fantasy football. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a pretty good summation of what we've talked about over this episode in the last. It's just that the core of your team should be built around strong wide receivers, right? I mean, that's that's the ultimate 
a way to set yourself up for success. Yep. Strong wide receivers and one potential workhorse running back if the draft plays out for you in, in that manner is how I would want my team constructed in 2021. Yes, um, with depth RBs, RBs in, you know, with pass catching upside that can fill in and give you consistent points at your running back two position without sacrificing the elite upside that you would be sacrificing by taking those guys in the early rounds like we talked about on yesterday's episode. 100%. So I think my ideal draft for just uh, summing up this whole two-part series, my ideal draft would be taking an elite running back in round one, hammering wide receivers for the next three or four rounds, build out your core, build out build out the foundation of your team. Round five comes. If an elite quarterback is still on the board, great. I'll probably take him there. If not, I'll probably just still go with wide receivers, maybe mix in a Travis Etienne, how we mentioned in part one, mix in a Daryl Henderson in round six. I think those guys are comparable to the wide receivers that would be available in round six. So quarterback first, if not, probably go with our RB2. Continue to hammer wide receivers throughout those middle rounds for getting into round 10, round 11. If you don't have a quarterback, that's when I would take my first quarterback and it would be one of those higher upside quarterbacks in Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, just to name a couple that I'm personally high on. And then I think to fill out the rest of your draft, you draft two or three more wide receivers, a couple running backs, and then the end of your draft, you just fill it, you just fill in your kicker defense with your last two picks and you sail to the money. Yeah. I mean, I think the best way that you can utilize like the final round or two is just fighting your league mates, like physically attacking them if they still make you draft defense and kicker. <laughs> like I'm I'm jumping everybody yeah. at the all-star draft if they don't pass the the no defense bill. I mean, that bill is definitely gonna get proposed again. <laughs> And it's not, it's not going to make we'll it have to see it's not what make it to the Senate floor, though. Uh, I definitely don't think it's going to get approved. It's a true shame. You know, seven is majority. We were at like four last season. About to, I'm, about, I'm about to do some some like house of cards scandal type, you know, back back channeling to try and get this thing passed. But um, that that's a conversation <laughs> for another time. And, and I think that that's going to be it for episode 157 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose as well as our personal Twitters. I am at Ben Hover, Joey's at Joey Carrying DFS. New episodes of the podcast drop every Thursday on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and every other podcast platform on the internet. Joey, we have a very special episode coming up next week on Thursday, August twenty eighth. I don't even know if I could drop the guest. Like, should should I say it? I don't know. I I think we could we could announce it later maybe maybe on twitter okay. or something maybe on twitter all right just know that next week's episode is going to be an absolute banger make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss it it's going to be just god i don't even know the words to describe this episode gonna, gonna be wait. one of the best episodes of the podcast with a great guest um so, somebody that you know we've looked up to you know getting into the dfs space mm-hmm. and and whatnot so it's going to be a great episode uh, like ben said make sure you're subscribed or, or following on whatever podcast platform you use and if you're watching this on youtube hit the subscribe button down below absolutely look to our listeners out there just know that we appreciate you we value you until next time let's stay accountable and keep it authentic <laughs>